Welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. I hope the Giro has you keen to ride, despite the winter weather starting to take hold. Fortunately, the fun never stops on Zwift. It's super time efficient, safe and convenient. And it's just as social as your rides throughout the summer. The banter on the group rides, meetups and even in some of the races is a great way to connect with people from all over the globe. There's also loads of challenges to set yourself on the great courses, including riding up Alpe de Zwift, sprinting down the Champs-Élysées, even riding inside a volcano, or exploring the Japan-inspired Makuri Island. Zwift is the app that makes indoor training fun. Visit Zwift.com for a free seven-day trial or just to find out more. Ride on, and here's Christoph and Macca. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. No, welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast live all the way from uh, Melbourne today. Uh, before we start, let me uh, remind you that you can uh, download, strip, or uh, subscribe to our website uh, to get this uh, podcast. Or you can also log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me is, of course, Dave McKenzie, all rested. I am very yeah, rested. Yeah. Uh, it, it feels weird, doesn't it? We're yeah. Rest day already. I can tell you what, I could get used to this. Can One you, every I don't three know, I'm days. Sure. I'm not sure How if I like. I'm not sure if I like a rest day so close to the. Well. Uh, all, all you know is you've got to make up for it. There's still 21 days, isn't there? Absolutely. So at some point. So totally agree. Imagine the writers. And joining us is Bridie Odenall, all the way from her, her kitchen. Bridie, how are you? <laughs> I'm very well. How are you both? Uh, what have you got on in the background, Bridie? What's on the menu tonight? Oh, thank you for asking, Macca. I'm going to um, <laughs> I'm roasting some pumpkin and I'm, and beetroot, and then I'm going to mix it with rocket and some fried halloumi and some chickpeas and a bit of pesto. Okay, this look that's actually that suits me fine. <laughs> we get off air as you know around six thirty. Yeah. Quarter seven. Um you're, I'm doing a dry Giro, so don't worry about alcohol. Um but yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> we should have we should have a, a website recipes by by Brady. You know, that should uh, that should be yeah. a thing. Uh okay, let's talk shop. Let's talk uh, cycling because uh, yesterday uh was the rest day, but day before we'll have to recap the, the stage three. Only the stage three, yeah. Uh, and there was a sprint and a win by uh, Mark Cavendish. Uh, happiness all round win 53 for Mr. for Mr. Cavendish on a Grand Tour. Yeah, look, uh, Bridie, what a what a champion he is. I mean, we knew it anyway. But kudos to this guy. One of the longest sprints you called it, obviously with with Kino and Simon. Um, what did you guys make of it? And did you pick him for the win? We all picked Caleb, I think, because we were tipping with our hearts. But um, there's no doubt that Caleb doesn't have his super-duper lead-out train. Um, quick step off the vinyl absolutely does. They've brought Mikel Moku, um, of course, the, the most amazing lead-out guy, barring Mark Renshaw, in the world. Um, and they really were organised. And they used to be a scary in the closing kilometres, but they didn't use up all their guys on the front the way we saw Groupama, FDJ, Air Education and some of the other teams really utilising a lot of their riders. What was really interesting as well was we, we just kept glimpsing a couple of the guys from, from Quickstep, but we never saw Mark Cavendish until that, that literally less than a kilometre to go. So it shows you that precision, the, the timing, all of the things he seemed cranky about on stage when one when they did the intermediate sprint, those things were manifest in the right way and it really came together perfectly. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Maka, should you tell, take us uh, through uh, the sprint? This, this yeah. was the sprint. Yeah, yeah. And look, you know what was impressive for me, by the way? Arno Demar, he tracked on Cavendish's wheel the whole way. There he is on the right-hand side of the screen on Cavendish's wheel. 
He likes a long sprint too. He could not get past him. Cavendish was flawless. As we said, long sprint. He slightly drifted left there because he had a couple of the riders that were maybe thinking about coming up underneath. He just, it's possibly one of the best sprints I've seen Cavendish do. Just because he had to go long. Merku did a great job, as you said, Bridie. But Cav then still had to finish it. He still had to finish it, and he still had to finish a long way out. And in the end, no one was getting past him because yeah. he had a great lead out, and two, because he showed he was quick and he was strong. Yeah, I Michael, totally you, agree. Maka, were you surprised about um, Gourmet in that, obviously, he's in the Chiclamina jersey. He's wearing that on behalf of Matthew Van Der Poel, who has the points in that classification. But Gourmet looked super frustrated, and he did really well. And for a guy who we've only really seen sprinting in a small group, in a mass sprint, were you surprised about Gourmet's performance? There he is there on the left-hand side, the purple jersey. He was mixing it up. And this is the guy who doesn't have a lot of body mass. Like, he's a pretty skinny bloke. And he, he ended up finishing in fourth. Yeah, he's, he's, he's almost freewheeling. Yeah, well. he, he's totally freewheeling. And it, look, it's a really good point, Brady. You know what? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. We, we saw how he won against Wevelgem, as we know. And yes, that was a, a small group, but... You run top 10 in any of those one-day yeah. races, and then the guys that he beat in that sprint finish were quick, and he, he basically destroyed them. He did it with ease. So the, what, what I was surprised about was he was freewheeling 100 metres to go. If he could have got out, geez, what would have happened? Yeah. He's just exciting, isn't he, to watch. He, he's 22 years of age. I, I just Again, I just love it that these obscure nations and this guy is writing history not just for himself, but for his for his country. I just yeah. I really really enjoy it. There's a question here before we we have the analysis from uh, from Mark Renshaw. Uh, Matthew is asking where was Caleb? That is a good question, uh, and I think you guys touched on it, Bridie, last night. What are the effects from Caleb's crash on stage one? We don't really know. He seems okay. His lead out train, or they they went a little bit missing, I guess, didn't they, in the final stages? We're going to find out though in the coming days, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a bit about the crash and a bit about where he was positioned going into that final corner. And you could argue one influenced the other. When, you, when you're a bit sore and you don't just feel amazing, you're just a lot, slightly off on your game. Because really, Lotto Sibel did everything they could. We saw great performances by Thomas Second. He sat on the front of the peloton for about an hour in that closing hour. Roger Kluger was there and present. Um, but Caleb, and Caleb so fast, particularly in the last sort of 100 metres of anything, but he didn't mm. quite have it. I think um, we often ask ourselves, what did Caleb do wrong? But really, what did everyone else do right? Damara had so, Damara, sorry, had so many great Rupama riders to protect him, particularly Miles Scottson, the Australian, and Clement Davy. Um, but other teams just had things dialed a little better than Lotto did. I think I'm just looking over my result. Eight for Caleb. So it's not a disaster, but as we know with sprinters, it's very binary. They either won or they're lost. Whereas we really need to think um, he came out a very good result. He really hurt himself just two days ago. So I think there's opportunity for build there with Caleb. Yeah, yeah, you're spot on. You're spot on. He's eighth. He's top ten. It's a pretty damn good result. Yeah, he's not happy about it. Yeah, you're, yeah right. you're right about everything, Brady. No, well done. And I, I'm with you. Let's. Uh, I think he can bounce back pretty. So quickly. let's listen from uh, the man that led 
Cavendish for so many years. It led him to so many victories of them, or those 53 victories. Uh, I don't know how many of them he actually was the last person of it. It's a question we'll have to, to ask him. But let's listen from Mark Renshaw and the, his vision on that sprint. Overhead pictures of bunch sprints never lie. And here you can see in all the detail exactly what happened. You can see Demar. He comes together with Toyns. They're fighting for the wheel of Cavendish. Meanwhile, he's sitting pretty. He thinks, I know, I've got this. I'm going to have to go long. It's a fast sprint, slightly downhill, and I've got the gear. You can see Toyns pops in on the wheel. Garviria fighting with Demar. He goes up the left side of Morku. The gap's there, but trust me, Cavendish is going to close the door here, or at least let him think he can make it, but no chance there. This is a drag race all the way to the finish line. Giramay in the wheel, showing inexperience. He didn't even really get to sprint today. Mrechko on the barrier, super dangerous move. Caleb Ewan coming with speed on the right-hand side, but too far back. Some stats from today. I spoke to Mark Cavendish, 122 RPM in today's final. That slightly false flat downhill, pushing speeds well over 70 kilometers an hour. Absolutely love these sprints in the Giro. I'm loving commentating on it, using SBS Sport, if you like it, give us a mention, give us a shout out. I'm really enjoying and hopefully we've got some few more sprint stages I can review. Yeah, absolutely. He's loving it. Uh, actually, Bridie, I might have a question for you. Since you're a doctor, can you give it a bit of a help for this man? Because I'm sure he's jealous of the quiff that Mark Renshaw has. Oh, he has to be. oh my God. I'm jealous of Mark's jacket because he looks very sophisticated and he's making us look very, you know, relaxed in our attire. But honestly, that quiff, that quiff. Do you, oh, hey, you, you hey, have dreams about this? Yeah, look, look Bridie might have some input on this. I'm not sure if she specialises as a doctor in hair replacement. Um, there's not any amount of products that is going to bring me back to anywhere near that. But thank you for bringing it up, pal. How cheeky is this guy? Bruce Willis was bald very early, didn't get plugs. If Bruce Willis... <laughs> no one sorry, Exactly. That, thank you. That wasn't planned. That wasn't planned. But I'm happy. I'm, I'm right. happy with my joke. You are treading. You are treading. Uh, okay. Why don't, we, on. why don't we listen uh, from the champion of the day, Mark Cavendish? I'm very happy. Thank you. It was really nice. Um, yeah, we wanted to get good in this first sprint, and we did. I'm very happy. Can you tell us how you built this victory with your teammates? Um, yeah, we. We got half a team for the climbs here, half a team for the sprints, but everyone committed. Obviously, we rode with Peter Seri today. And then uh, we were supposed to have Mauro Schmidt and uh, Ballerini keep us there in the final, but we didn't see Mauro. Um, so Ballero did like the last 10, 15k all in the wind for us. Normally, we'd like him for the lead out, but he got like that. With Ballerini, um, Van Leerberg and Morky have got an incredible final group there, you know, I said that before the race, and they delivered today, you know, Van Leerberg went to the round, or Ballero kept us to the round, and then Van Leerberg went the other teams came, Morky just stayed super cool, and then uh, in the end I had to go long, I had to go 300 to go um, I just had to hold the, hold the side, and uh, I'm happy, I could hang on for that long for the wins. Very well done, thank you, thank you. So that was uh, Mark Cavendish. Love him or hate him, he always tells a, a good story in an interview, uh, only just by the, the body language, not even the words. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, he's, look, he's an interesting character. Sometimes over the years, and mostly at the tour, 
when I've interviewed him um, in the mix zone behind the podium, he'd walk along and I'd be thinking to myself, what am I going to get from him today? <laughs> is it, is it, and, and you, you, he's the type of character, Bridie, he's a little bit intimidating because I'd be thinking, if I ask the wrong thing here or the, or the reporter before me would ask some question and they're, by the way, they're, they're doing it in their second language or third yeah. language. And he would give them donuts. He'd give them nothing and walk along. You'd be thinking, oh, geez, I better come up with something good here. So uh, he is. He's that type of character that, I mean, teams love him. And I think Maddie said it last night. Patrick Lefevre is rubbing his hands together. Oh, absolutely. For this <laughs> dilemma that he has. And you guys talked about it. Uh, the selection for the Tour de France. He's got one. Imagine if he gets three wins on the board by the end of the Giro. But I'm not a fan. And what I mean is... <laughs> We're not fans either, Brady. I just want to check, like, that was really rude to say, Mauro Schmidt, where was he? This is a guy who's coming 10th on general classification and he name-checks him in an interview to say, where was he? That was a crappy thing to do. And it it just shows that um, that Mr. Redemption from last year is now, you know, morphing back into the Cavendish of old, which is Operation Cavendish and... It suits him to make the team look great. It suits Patrick Lefebvre to make the team look great. So it's a shared agenda. But what I think is really interesting, and he's a supreme athlete, so this isn't about um, like or dislike, but he can't win those races without those incredible lead-out guys and the guys sacrificing. And sure, they get paid to do that, but there are ways you could have told that story differently um, that would make him look less like he was throwing someone under a bus. And as a person who's been a domestique and had people who have been ungrateful, I think it's really interesting the way he needed to say that out loud. And I think also, um, just a shout-out to Jean-François Pinet because he's a great interviewer. And you're right, he's asking questions in second or maybe third language. He asks really great questions. He says, tell me how you planned that. Or uh, it's not just a how you're feeling in passing the microphone. He's really thoughtful about it. And, Macker, I'm sure your questions were thoughtful as well. You can't do much about a tired or a grumpy athlete or a, an athlete who's disappointed. They're not going to give you what they want because they're disappointed. It's not about you as a journo or a, or a worker. But that's, that's just a side banner, as I said. Uh, do you want to tell us what you really think of him? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it's an interesting prospect and – Again, I know, look, we will talk more about this as, as the race goes on. And if he keeps winning, absolutely, it'll become a talking point in the cycling media. But let's think, let's think two seconds about this. Uh, you're Patrick Lefebvre, okay? Mm. You're ASO, organiser of the Tour de France. You've got Mark Cavendish. He's a dynamite in every sense of the way of the world. Yeah. On, on, on the road, but also in the media. You've got Netflix knocking at the door as well for the documentary. Do you think he's going to make it to the tour? I think he's going to make it to the tour. And the other thing, <laughs> what do you think, no matter what he says on camera or publicly, what do you think Fabio Jakobsen is hoping yeah, right now? Yeah. The, uh, that Cavendish does not pain. win another stage. Yeah, exactly. Fabio's hoping he gets knee pain and that he has to pull yeah. out. But I said this, <laughs> one who's watching is tuning in on our rest day ride because we, we talked about this last night on the rest day ride. We were a bit breathless. But um, they, they will find a way for Cavendish to be at the tour. 
because exactly as you said, Christoph, it's about brand, it's about Marbo, the vibe, all the things. They yeah. want to have <laughs> at, the, at the Tour de France because it's absolutely the perfect story to have in there and to break and to exceed the record of Merckx and to be the superstar that he is. No doubt and in my mind. That makes me feel a bit sad for Jakobsen and Jakobsen's family and they're all there rooting for him. Um, but let's not be fooling ourselves about that the yeah. cycling needs good stories and it needs global stories because cycling is such a ridiculously hard sport that it's a bit inaccessible because people look at what those riders do, men and women, and they think, oh, God, that seems really hard. People fall on the ground, they get back up and get on their bikes. So the more accessible and the human stories that can be provided the more it's broadcast to the rest of the world. Yeah, and I, and I think it does include the organizers of the tour, not just the team. So, I, think, I think ASO absolutely would want Cavendish to be here. Should we just, look, should we get our editorial department to write up an article <laughs> overnight and just say Cavendish will be on the start line? We'll and, call and, it now. And schedule it Exclusive. for the first day. <laughs> I reckon we, yeah, yeah, we'll put Is that it out. It? We've decided it's yeah. going to be here. Look, I'm, you two have sold it to me. You're right. You're, you're both, you're spot on. I think I think he'll be there. Actually, you're catch Pollutton. Barring a knee injury. Catch Pollutton. Let us know what you think in uh, yes. the comments below. Should or should not Cavendish be at the tour? Let us know what you really think. We said what we really think here on National Let's Media. Let's get this poll going. I think for the whole, the rest of the Giro. Yeah, we should, have, we so. should have this. Yeah. Let's get it up. Yeah. Okay, this the poll is be. kicking off. Should he be at the tour and will he? So there'll be people yeah. going, he will be there, but should he be there? You know, and cycling's not, sport's not fair. Should, will we do that bit of a, you know, you can phone a friend, 50 50, <laughs> A, B, C, D, all of the above? Yeah. <laughs> let's, make, let's make it a little bit complicated. <laughs> yeah. But there's a good point here from Sharon, and I, f- I think that's probably what's going to happen. But, uh, if Cavendish goes for the Tour de France, he will not finish the Giro, uh, which could be a shame. But that's, that's pretty that's much right. That's a really right. good point. Was that Sharon? Did you say yeah, Sharon? Yeah, good yeah. point, Sharon. Uh, I think you're spot on. And that's, yeah, so, uh, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to, uh, uh, to talk about on this. Right. We're talking a lot about Cavendish. This is like... Well, there you go. go. That just backs (laughs) up all about what we're talking about. That says it all. There's another person in pink, and that's uh, Mathieu van der Poel. And we can talk a lot about him as well. But let's listen to Mathieu van der Poel, first of all. Are you happy with how things went? Yes, I think uh, we did a very nice job as a team. Um, We did a really nice lead out. Um, Only, uh, I think, Jakob um, lost the wheel a bit on on the roundabout. And he got boxed in a bit in the sprint, but yeah, he did a really good job. Uh, he came fifth. Is that uh, enough for you? <laughs> for me, it's enough. <laughs> no, I mean, um, yeah, I think there was more possible, but from my view, um, he was boxed in a little bit, but yeah, that can happen in a sprint, but we have some more chances upcoming, uh, upcoming days. Uh, what do you think of uh, Mark Cavendish? Well, 14 years later, he's still here <laughs> winning stages. Yeah, for sure. We knew he was one of the of the favorites for today. So after the Tour de France last year, I think we all know uh, yeah, that he can win uh, stages again. You seem to enjoy life in the Malia Rosa. Have yeah, more? It's, it's nice and I'm happy to take it to Italy. So it's been an amazing past few days here in Hungary. And um, yeah, I'm going to enjoy it in Italy as well. Thank you. I'm sure he will uh, enjoy it in the next uh, few days. Uh, hopefully, in the next few days. Actually, question for for you both uh, as we will unveil the, the parcours for tonight. Um, but also one point here, I want to say: if we talked about the body language that Cavendish had, what about the body language of Mathieu Van der Poel? He's so relaxed. 
he's done his job. He's done what he needed to do for that Giro. He's like he's almost leaning like this. Uh, he's he's so chilled. Uh, Brady, I don't know about you. I'm I am a huge fan of this guy. Yeah. I just I love his demeanor. I love the way he. We all love the way he races. I don't think anyone doesn't. Um, but just off the bike when he speaks, I ju- he just seems so genuinely humble, happy. And engaging. And, and Jeff Kinney, as you pointed out, Bridie, and we've known him for a long time, he does a fantastic job. I think he's one of the best interviewers in the, in the cycling sphere. But Matthew Vanderpoel, I'm happy he's got the jersey yeah, in Italy too. Absolutely. I think that, that's great. I'm really happy that he's getting to wear it. What, what's your take on him? Yeah, there's a lot to say about him. What I love is his approach. There's a pragmatism, and we can generalise about different cultures, but the Dutch pragmatism is one that we can generalise about pretty reliably. Um, There's a practicality, a work ethic, uh, you know, support for his teammate. We saw him leading out Jakob, um, his teammate, in that to to try and get him a result. To see the Malia Rosa there as part of the layout, that's pretty amazing. Um, There's also the flack that he copped last year with kind of throwing a grenade into the Tour de France, if you like. He came in, he he set the the race alight. He was in the Malia, Maya Jean, sorry, and and did all of that in a very emotional way, you know, obviously in honour of his grandfather and father. This time there's a sense of um, work ethic that's going on there around, you know, I've still got a job to do. So I think you're right, Christoph, he's really relaxed. But he's also like, there's, there's 18 more stages. And he has said very publicly he wants to finish this year, of, you know, than barring incident or injury. Perhaps about, you know, showing he can complete a three-week tour, showing that Alpha St. Phoenix is worthy of this world tour and ranking and all of those things. There's, there's a little element of that. And I think I love that he is so aggressive, even though he's incre- incredibly talented. He doesn't hold stuff back. He thinks... Mm. He, like he's probably got the best VO2 max and bike IQ in the world, but he still races hard and and commits, and that's a really admirable thing. It's something that you want to show him as a role model to kids to say, "Here's how you should race." I think yeah, he's only made one mistake in his life. Yeah, Do you know what it is? No, he chose the wrong passport. He chose the wrong passport. He's French and Dutch. He chose the wrong passport. Oh, he okay. chose the wrong passport. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, so, oh, here he is, a man who, who basically is trying to buy property next to Julian Alaphilippe. Yeah. So, so if Van der Poel did choose a French passport, would that be it? Imagine, Julian who? Ima- imagine just that French team at the World Championship. Sivakov, Alaphilippe, Bardet. And would have been born the poor. Oh, yeah, the, oh, just on paper. Just on paper. Know, the team of champions doesn't always beat a champion team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting go. roasted here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mate, two against one. <laughs> well, you're both wrong. Anyway. And he lives he lives in Belgium too, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. His girlfriend is from Belgium, I think. Yeah, he's more Belgian than Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on. We had a comment here on saying, uh, have we missed the uh, work experience kid? Today. No, we oh. haven't. He's coming up, the uh, Wakers hey, kid. He's Johnny on the spot. Johnny on he, the spot. He literally <laughs> is Johnny on the spot. Uh, absolutely. So let's have a look at uh, the uh, ranking at the minute and the classification for this uh, Giro uh, right now. So Vanderpool is in the pink. Simon Yates, of course, is uh, number two. Uh, and Tom Dumoulin is closing up that uh, podium. There's a lot of interesting things in, in this top 15. Isn't it? Yeah, look, to me, there's some big questions tonight. And look, there's a bunch of names, Bridie. You mentioned Simon Yates, Christoph. Julio Ciccone, 
just a, a, a guy from Trek Segafredo. Let's see what he'll produce this year. Where is the old stage of the Shark at Messina, Vincenzo Nibali? Where is his form really at over three weeks? We know he's one of the best uh, of his generation of this last 10 years. He's won all three Grand Tours. He's won the Giro twice. Where is Tom Dumoulana? Yep. Remember, he's a former winner of this race. We won't find out who can win tonight, but we might find out who's not going to win, I think. I think that's some of the answers we'll get, and it might be a few of those names yep. uh, that I just mentioned. Well, also the climb to Etna is allegedly 22 kilometres, but they're really going uphill for nearly 40. So I totally agree with you, Macca. We're going to see some some climbers or GC riders that are going to lose some time tonight um, because their form hasn't been what it needs to be or because they're likely to be a 10th to 20th place contender rather than a top three or top five contender. Um, Demoulin is someone, you know, one of his flaws is he's very hard on himself. But all of his strengths lie in capability, experience, um, confidence, amazing team. Look how well they performed in the PT. I think three or four of them were in the top ten. So I'm excited about that. Ciccone is yet to kind of manifest what we're hoping, perhaps mm. to be the best Italian. But I'm I'm actually a bit, like, really excited about Nibali because he's a Sicilian. Will he try and win up Etna just because of the drama, you know, and the excitement? Um, or will Asana just try to mitigate, you know, potential losses? What will Bora Hansgrohe do? I mean, look at Jai Hing Lee. He's got teammates of Kamna, Bookman. That's, a, that's it for me. Is a really exciting team as well. So there's a lot to like about tonight's stage. Oh, so yeah. if we look at the, the profile, this is the profile for, for tonight's stage. And I'm with you, Bridie, on, on, on Nibali. I think Nibali is a, is a night or is a day in, in Italy where he will want to shine because I don't think he thinks... He can win the Giro, uh, or he's not amongst the main top contenders to win that Giro. We never know with Nibali, yeah, we yeah. never know with the Giro, but the reality is that. But what about him grabbing and trying to grab the pink tonight on uh, the, the, the very steep Etna part of the Etna? I don't, no? I don't, I don't believe... Uh, breakaways have had plenty of success on Etna in, in previous years. And look, going back, 2018 it was stage 6, 2017 it was stage 4. But this is a different side. That okay. They've never been up this side in the Giro. It's 23 kilometres, but the interesting point as well, the final seven kilometres, Bridey, is just 5%. I am not ruling out, and you can both disagree with me if you want, I'm not ruling out that Matthew van der Poel won't be in the Magliarosa by day's end. He may still be in the lead because the GC guys, none of the GC guys, the guys that have real ambition to win the race, Yates is the top of that list, they don't want the jersey no. four days in. They do not want to have to defend um, for the next 18, 17 days. So I'm not discounting that Matthew van der Poel could hold on because they won't race full gas. It's meant to be a headwind. Predictions is it'll be a headwind up the climb. So... I, I think there's a lot of unknowns about tonight. It's going to be a cracker stage. Oh, it's Absolutely. going to be a ripper. It's going to be a ripper. Oh, I'm not right. discounting that some um, random, with no disrespect, fellas get into a long break because of the time gaps. I mean, other than Clement Davy, who was amazing as a lead-out guy and he's 30 minutes down, the overall sort of GC is sitting, the majority of riders are at around three minutes. Mm. So we could end up with a, a, a new Malia Rosa, with sort of an Oscar Pereira, you know, style someone gets a long advantage and that suits Yates, it suits Alperson, it's quite a few other teams. If someone random like 
Jos, no, not Jos van Emden because he's a Visma, but I just wonder, Trek Segafredo, they might end up with a rider uh, like Mosca who ends up in, in the Maya Rosa for a few days. And isn't that great for every other team? He's won a stage. He only has to, the breakaway only has to be successful by about three or four minutes. What about Almeida? No? No, he's, to me, he's too, he's too dangerous. Too yeah. dangerous because he was very good in the Giro two years ago when it, where he led. But for is he not, is he not the type of rider that would try? That he would try no, on something like I this? I don't. I don't think so. I think. I think he'll go, he'll play the long game. You know who I'd love to see in it, and when he first debuted at the Giro, this is what he did: Richie Port. Yeah. Now again, you can say he's a danger man, but his main man is Richard Carapaz, and mm-hmm. the peloton know that. Now it would he'd need a little bit of luck, Richie, if he's going to fall into this into this breakaway, and you don't just fall into them. But it is a possibility. It, like Richie's more a possibility than Jean Almeida, yeah, okay, or even Chukoni. I would say. I would say, and he could actually. You're right. It could actually be a disturbance uh, that other riders are okay to allow because they're watching it on Carapaz. They're not watching yeah, it. Yeah, and then it gets to six, seven minutes. Yeah. There's a bit of a you know, standoff back in the peloton. Who's going to chase? Vanderpoel, they say, well, help us in Phoenix. say, well, we're not chasing. Do you we're, know not, what? we're not here to win the race. Do you know what? Hashtag Team Richie today. Yeah. Let's go hashtag Let's Team Richie. Jump on. Are we all Get okay on. with that? Get on. Okay. The bus is full, but we're still <laughs> selling tickets. Yeah, right. okay. <laughs> hashtag Breakaway Bingo. So that was something we talked about on stage three uh, when we were trying to work out what is the greatest time gap that the breakaway will get on the peloton. So that's the hashtag breakaway and bingo that, that Matt and team will be contending tonight. Good stuff. All right, yeah. we're on it. All okay, it. and Sharon likes your idea as well. She likes the idea of a report on this stage. Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> We've got an Australian audience. Yeah, if I've... you don't, we don't want to hear from you. <laughs> okay. One funny one before we go to our work experience kid, uh, because we're talking breakaways and, and I think this was a tweet. I just came across it oh, the during king, the race the day. The king of the breakaways. The king of the breakaway, Mr. Thomas de Ghent. He says that was just before the, the start of the Giro, as I said, 418th stage tour. Basically, he spent 14 months of his life in a grand tour. 14 months of his life. What a, what a, what a <laughs> hurt locker that is. <laughs> Righty? I don't know. I don't know about you. I did one. That was enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We should probably call Adam Hansen just to check that there hasn't been a bit of a close contest there because we know Hansen is famous for having a multitude of consecutive. Someone from the Couch Peloton yeah. will tell me, what was the number of consecutive Grand Tours? 17 or 18, yeah. it's around that number, yeah. And the again done 22 Grand Tours and finished 18, 18 of them. He's phenomenal. So those stats are ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> Do some jigsaws and wordle and maybe some, some needlepoint, some crochet, maybe some dark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's and he and by the way, he is a guy for the breakaway tonight. Yeah, exactly. He won on the Stelvio ten years ago mm-hmm. and went on to finish third in that Giro d'Italia. So, don't discount Thomas again. Shall we change our hashtag team again? No, we're not. <laughs> we'll have him as a plan B. Plan B. Yep. Okay, let's listen from let's hear from our work experience kid. John Trevorrow is in place with his uh, nice SBS microphone, and he had a chat with Lucas Hamilton because Lucas Hamilton went on the, the slopes of Etna and he had a, a closer look to that climb. This is John Trevorrow with Lucas Hamilton. So here we are, virtually at the base of Mount Etna in the background here, uh, and uh, stage four of the Giro d'Italia uh, about to start, and this is 
the first real GC day. This is where the, all the contenders will be uh, uh, showing their stuff. It is a pretty tough day. And uh, with me, uh, I've got Lucas Hamilton, who uh, went and did a recce yesterday and rode up uh, the last part of Mount Etna. Uh, how was it, mate? Yeah, well, uh, it hasn't moved. It's still there. But, uh, yeah, we uh, rode up yesterday, myself and Simon, and... Uh, it's solid. It's a long climb too. We've, we, I've done a training camp here before um, at the top of Etna actually um, and it takes a long time to get down. You pretty much start at the coast, don't you? And then you make your way up to about 2,000 metres. So it's a long one. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a pretty solid day. So what do you think will happen? Because there's a good climb virtually, as you say, right at the start, uh, a, a serious climb before it. Do you reckon the action will happen then? Yeah, there's not too much of like there's no real categorised climbs um, beforehand, but it's it's all uphill pretty much. Um, you sort of start and and with these Etna days historically at the Giro, there's been um, days where a big break's gone. Um, I think in 2018, if you remember, Esteban Chavez won from from a big break when uh, Yeti rode across to him. So there's there's that scenario, and there's also a scenario of maybe a GC team just trying to ride it down to a select group of guys and attacks from there, but yeah, it's always a bit of a um, mixed bag on what, what could happen. Now, you've had a bit of a, a sort of topsy-turvy year. You've got uh, COVID and then got Crook. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think like most of the peloton this year, we've been uh, battling sickness most of the season. Um, I got COVID and then just after I recovered from COVID, got bronchitis and then uh, did a bit, bit of facial damage at the Tour of Bass with my crash over the over the rail there. So, um, yeah, hasn't been an easy start to the season, but fortunately uh, I've had the support of the team and we've sort of uh, been able to arrive here in, you know, the, the shape that I wanted to arrive here in. Um, and, yeah, hopefully over the next few weeks I can, I can put it to the test a bit. Well, uh, two weeks maybe, but I think it starts today. You obviously do have really good form, but you are going to be quite crucial and critical uh, in what happens with, with Simon even today. Yeah, exactly. It all starts today, I think, in terms of uh, it's the first mountain, it's the first hilltop. A lot of the mountain days coming up are very different to today. Um, today's sort of unique in that it's you know the one final climb at the end there, and it's it's day four. Everyone's still relatively fresh. Um but, yeah, for sure, my role is quite crucial on days like today, and uh, I'm hoping to be out there and, and try and help him. Good, mate, and uh, good luck today, pal. Cheers. That was uh, Lucas Hamilton. Uh, what, 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 what a good interview, actually. That backdrop, Etna just at the back, he hasn't moved. Pretty no, 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 I love it, I love it. And John... John Trevara, he is just totally embedded in that squad. So, no, no, it's, it's, look, it's, it's great info there. And Brighty, he, Lucas, you sort of forget or things slip through the cracks, but he explained it there. Just the pretty average start he's had to the season, COVID, bronchitis. So, because we haven't seen much of him, but he, he seems like he's in pretty good shape now, which is good. Yeah, he does. And the morale thing's really good in the team as well. I mean, don't forget, this is a, he's 26 years old. You know, and the, the the population of Ararat would be pumped to see him performing so well on the world stage. But anyone who's been an athlete and, and tried to prepare for a major event or a season knows how hard it is when it's disrupted by illness or injury. And, and he seems relaxed um, and, you know, kind of reflective about the, the, the task. But that whole, it all starts now. He said that a couple of times. So, you know, they're in the mindset that Yates can win the Giro d'Italia. And um, agree with David Hodges in your comment there. Like, he's doing a, such a terrific job. He's really disarming. 
And so he just feels like somebody's dad or even granddad and he asks these really great questions and the riders really want to talk to him. So this is wonderful for us in SVS mm. Sport that we get this access to the riders. Yeah, totally. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And there's plenty of more coming because um, he's there every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah. He's, And he's there for us, so that's that's great. Thank you. Uh, I think that was a pretty much it. Is there anything else we need to talk about? I, I think that's pretty much what we have I think for that's today. all. I think we're just strapping ourselves in for a big one. Christoph, so T-shirt. I'm not sure quite why one side of it is yellow and the other side is white. It's called style. That's called style. <laughs> hey, Bridie, you asked the question. <laughs> and that's probably not the worst I have. I've got a lot worse. Yeah. Hey, you wait till Tour de France time. He rolls them out. He rolls out all 21 of them. Oh, my God. Jeez. Yeah. On this note, thank you for joining me. <laughs> you would see what's on down underneath. Oh, my God. You don't want to. Thank you, Brady. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thanks, Brady. Have a good night. Ciao, ciao. This was the uh, Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash sport. And you can, of course, log a ride with our friends at Zwift. There's plenty more T-shirts coming in uh, over the next uh, few days and few weeks of this Giro. But until then, it's bye for now. Now that we're done talking cycling, for today at least, let's do a little riding ourselves because the fun never stops on Zwift. Training solo at home, I admit, it gets old real quick. But with Zwift group rides, events and races, you'll have plenty of people to ride with and chat with to keep you motivated. Plus, it's got great built-in training programs tailored for every ability. There are even workouts that can be squeezed into 20 minutes if you're really stuck for time. On Zwift, traffic lights, stop signs, busy roads, bad weather, they all disappear. And each interval has the watts and rest periods dialed in for the perfect training conditions. To start riding and discovering how Zwift makes indoor training fun, head to Zwift.com for a free seven-day trial. Thanks for watching or listening whilst you're riding on Zwift.